0: Hello, buddies, and fellow Franco fans. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento based filmmaking company. Uh, writer, director, producer, actor sometimes, editor. Uh, Design a lot of the posters, do the drawings as well. Uh, in 2021, I have a few films that I want to start making. Again, um, I have footage of uh, one film already shot and have been coming up with uh, titles and synopsis and uh, basically have another film that's half written and then a few more that are going through. So, yeah, I'm going to try to uh, be like my hero, Jess Franco, and uh, do multiple films in the next year. So that's where I'm at right here at the uh, recording this at the end of uh, 2020 for, uh, broadcast in 2021. This one, of course, is episode 13, my lucky number. Uh, I was born on the 13th. 13th's always been a, 13 has always been a very important number to me. Um, 13 letters to my name. Of course, my name, Jason, that's always worked in my favor in the 80s, 90s, and beyond. So that's always cool, being a horror fan and all that good stuff. Um, for this one, we do die marquise von Sade which was just franco's 72nd film uh this is the seventh of 16 films we've reviewed so far with uh erwin c dietrich of the erwin c dietrich collection they did 16 films together and right now this is the seventh one uh that we reviewed but uh uh, we did a few of the later ones and then jumped to, to the beginning. So, yeah, this is number seven in our review of the Dietrich Collection. Uh, this one um, is Die Marquis von Saad, once again, and uh, Swiss-West-German Swiss, hardcore title and the Blu-ray title. Uh, it was from Switzerland, 1975. The original theatrical title and the country of region is Das Bildnis der Doriana Gray, the Swiss-West-German softcore version. Alternative titles are uh, La Porno Storia della Marchese de Sade, the Italian theatrical, uh, which translates to The Porno Story of the Marquis de Sade. Also, uh, Marquise de Sade, West German video DVD cover. Uh, the Swiss press book is referring to, to Die Marquise de Sade. And let's see, uh, the German and Swiss DVD cover is Doriana Gray. The shooting title at the time was Dirty Dracula. I'd talk about that with Eric. Um, the Portrait of Doriana Grey is the pre release title in Dietrich's English 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 language correspondence. <clears throat> Unconfirmed titles Les Avelinus number two, Ejaculations and Dirty Vampire. Uh, let's see. Production company course is Elite Films, which was uh, Dietrich's company. Theatrical distributor was Zavis Filmverlek which also was in conjunction with them, the Southwest and West German, uh, I'm sorry, the um, Switzerland-West German distribution. Uh, Timeline on this, the shooting in Belize-sur-Mer was uh, August 18th to the 25th of 1975. uh, So he shot some footage first, as I'll go further. And then um, they signed the contracts after he shot some footage in September 15th Uh, because basically he was doing this as a side thing, and then Dietrich found out about it and then quickly claimed ownership of what was going on. I think he Franco might have started this to try to be a sly deal, but then Dietrich found out and then started claiming on it. So he signed contracts on this September 15th. Then he went and shot on sets so he could be observed in September of 75, and then did uh, Germany. It played in Circa 76. I'm sorry. He shot a little bit later in uh, Circa 76 in Germany. And it got the release in 77 and uh, played San Remo in Italy on October 26th of 1982. Didn't really have a lot of play until uh, they started doing the X-rated oh, extra footage. The theatrical running time in Germany as "Der Business der Dorian Gray is 69 minutes, 35 seconds. In Germany, the X-rated version as Dari Marquis von Saad is 76 minutes, so... Roughly about six and a half minutes. Uh, The Blu-ray running time, the Ascot Elite, which is the one uh, we watched, is 78 minutes, 58 seconds. So, hmm. Must be the uh, translation of time from uh, film to DVD. Maybe it's off by there. Uh, The director is, uh, of course, Jess Franco, the producer, Erwin C. Dietrich. Uh, Director of photography on this is Jess Franco, once again, as David Kuhn, K H U N N E, another pseudonym of his. Camera operator in France was Jess Franco. Uh, an elite film production screenplay is by Jess Franco. Music by Walter Baumgarner, once again. He does all the music for the Dietrich films, for uh, Franco and for Dietrich. Uh, assistant director in France is Gerald Cazal. Still photographer was Ramon Ardid, um, Lena Romay's husband. The negative uh, was done in Geierwerk Laboratory in Berlin. <clears throat> Cast on this, Lena Rome as Lady Doriana Gray, and as a second role, she plays her twin sister. Uh, she's very different in this. She has good range in this film. Um, and Monica swims in it as the American journalist. She's very good. Peggy Markoff returns once again as an artist. She plays like a porno actress that is in the first flashback of... Doriana Gray to uh, her conversation to Monica Swim. Uh, Ramon Arden in here plays Zeros Doriana's servant almost like a Dr. Orloff and uh, type assistant. Um, uh, Let's see here. Uh, uh, Martine Stiedel is Zeros' girlfriend. Um, Ronald Weiss plays Dr. Orloff in this. um, This Dr. Orloff uses the name but it's more of a psychiatrist institute where she's kept uh, we don't really see him as a mad scientist in this. He doesn't do any creations or any plans or anything. He's just more of a stand in doctor, and he just uses the name Dr. Orloff to keep it going. Uh, the Swiss Press Book adds Christina Lang. The uh Okay, what else have we got here? Okay. All right, so. Um from the flowers of perversion once again on this the delirious cinema of jesus franco volume two by Stephen thrower which is the source book in the bible basically of franco films um i always use this book for reading uh the production credits and all the good stuff after watching the film and uh going through and getting all the technical details um and while i'm talking about books right now give you all different source things uh Another good one is the, uh, just Franco, the world's most dangerous filmmaker by Christopher taught up John. Um, this one retails for about 16 bucks. You can get a little bit cheaper on Amazon. Um, you can hold it in your hand. It's good. It's like a smaller book. It's about 189 pages, 190 pages. Uh, a lot of essays on the film and there's a good little, um, filmography in the back, like a little checklist, which is good for me. um, if you don't want to go through and ha- handle the Stephen Thorpe books that are kind of big coffee table books, this is a smaller one that you can pull from and quick-find uh, quick, quick find sources and alternate titles and kind of dates and history and that. So it's definitely worth it. Um, I'm glad I got this one. It's really nice. And I got a new one that I haven't l- read yet called The Films of Jess Franco. Um, it, it's uh, by Lazaro, Ribinal, and ian olney antonio lazaro ribola at ian olney um this one's a little heavier uh it's about 360 pages so it's a bunch of essays by different writers and scholars on the different stages of franco's career looks like a good uh more of a overall of his films basically i mean yeah, the film's of just franco it kind of tells you what it is but yeah it's basically a good overview of all his films And people writing about it and such. So if you're a fan of these podcasts, those are probably two good books to check out if you haven't read those yet already. Um, So yeah, let's go through and knock out the production notes on this. Um, This film was really cool because uh, it was like an inspiration thing. And usually art comes out of inspiration and art that does come out of inspiration is sometimes better than things that are planned, because it's, uh, you know, it's art, and the muse takes you. Production notes. Um, having shot most of barbed wire dolls and downtown, plus a few minutes of Dicegloven, slaves, Franco was unable to resist the siren call of another idea, and thus was born Dice Marquis von Saad, first released in its softcore version as Das Bildnis der Doriana Gray. Um... It really does seem as though The Summer of 75 was one long production block, during which Franco shot material more or less simultaneously for five different films, three of which he was contracted for by Erwin Dietrich, which were Bob Wire Dolls, Downtown, and D. Sklaven, one which he shot clandestinely, Women Behind Bars, and another which he shot On Impulse Die Marquis von Saad. Don Marquise von Saad features a tiny cast. Lena Romay, Monica Swim, Martine Steedel, Ronald Weiss, Peggy Markov, and Ramon Ardid, all of whom, with the exception of Swim, appeared in uh Barbed Wire Dolls, Downtown, and Die Sklaven as well. Ronald Weiss looks identical to his appearance in Die Sklaven, wearing the same sinister black sunglasses, while Lena wears the same chiffon gown in both films. All this supports the notion that Franco's first four Dietrich films were made... Or at least begun in very quick succession. When shooting actually took place, Doriana was not subject to any prior contract with Dietrich. Franco appears to have filmed it spontaneously on location in the south of France. And then, after returning to Switzerland to shoot interiors on barbed wire dolls and downtown, offered it to Dietrich. The two of them signed an agreement for Doriana on September 15, 75. However, owning to its hardcore explicitness, Dietrich found the film hard to market through his usual channels. It played the German ex certificate circuit in seventy seven specifics are hard to discern and saw a release in Italy in eighty two as le porno storia della marchesia de Sade. but otherwise it was for a long time this was one of the more obscure titles in the Dietrich catalogue. All right, uh, the review portion of um Stephen thrower's review of the film Di Marquise de von is by far the most personal, the most beautiful and the most gyneologically explicit film Franco made for producer Erwin Dietrich. Building on elements from La Contessa Noire, he delivers a mesmerizing work that seems to exist outside of normal narrative time, a pure blast of Franco magic, which revisits his obsessive themes of the purgatorial nature of lust and the deliciousness hell of instability. I'm going to jump ahead on the review and um, go to this part. This is the crux of the film. Doriana has sexual desires, but she can't achieve orgasm and remains perpetually unsatisfied by the acts to which her desires drive her, acts which climax with the death of the other party. Her sister, on the other hand, is psychically linked to her siblings and experiences Doriana's missing pleasure and her victim's erotic agonies flooding through her body, the intensity of which drives her to violent fits and uncontrollable ecstasies, rolling around on a bed, clawing frantically at her sex. She must live her days in a sanitarium, constantly inflamed by the activities of her murderous sister. Doriana can kill people just by arousing them, but while there is a hint of vampirism to this, there are no fangs, no puncture wounds, and definitely no blood. She is essentially a kind of a succubus. When the journalist finally gives in to the temptation that's been rising within her by kissing Doriana and touching her breasts, we get the briefest hint of Doriana's dark side. She bares her teeth slightly and bites the woman's lip to the accompaniment of a hissing-esque exhalation on the soundtrack that connects what we're seeing to the vampire myth. However, that's as much as we get in terms of classic vampire symbolism. No fangs, no blood from the neck, and certainly no garlic or crucifixes. Franco as it is at most determinedly abstract here. Doriana's only tools of the trade is her magnetic aura of sexuality. The supernatural is manifested in her paranormal ability to exert her will across empty space or drain someone's life force with an erotic caress. The conflation of erotic arousal with depletion and or death by supernatural forces echoes another film, Shining Sex, made by Franco just a few months earlier. It's striking that he wrote two scenarios linking sexual attraction and death in fairly quick succession, as in both cases the actor who who personifies that dangerous mixture is Lena Romay. Was he writing consciously or unconsciously about the siren pool of Lena's real life sexual magnetism? Remember that in seventy five, Franco was still married to Nicole Guetard, and Lena was married to Ramon Ardid. According to Antonio Mayans, Franco and Rome first consummated their mutual attraction in the autumn of seventy three during the production of Night of the Assassins. But as far as their spouses were concerned, the relationship was simply that of a voyeuristic film director and his exhibitionist muse. It may seem unlikely, given the free and easy attitudes in Franco's films, that he was dedicated to maintaining bourgeois codes of behavior. But who knew? Perhaps the restraining bonds of marriage were at war with Franco's desire for his leading lady. In Shining Sex and Dice Marquis Vonsard, Lena can kill with an erotic caress. In Downtown, which is full of innuendo about their relationship, she's a femme fatale who seduces and ensnares Franco himself, playing a private eye. These three films were made within four months of each other. Two earlier films also feature Franco playing characters intensely fascinated by Alina Romé. In Exorcism, 1974, he plays the murderer Vogel who abducts Romé's character and treats her as a debased innocent who must be punished. In *Giulietta* 69, 1974-75, he plays a lonely voyeur terrified of physical contact who masturbates while Romé strips for him the line between fantasy and reality was becoming ever more smudged and indistinct. And by depicting Rome twice in the space of four months as a woman of supernatural sexual powers, it seems that Franco was struggling subconsciously with the tensions and responsibility in such a charged situation with his wife and Rome's husband, also working on the set each day, the degree to which Franco's desires were being acted out in full view of the two spouses must have felt both thrillingly daring and and insanely risky cast and crew. The striking actress who plays a nurse at the sanatorium also appeared in Women Behind Bars playing Maria Rincon, one of the influx of new prisoners alongside Romaine's character Shirley Fields. This suggests that the scenes featuring Doriana's sister in the mental hospital were shot in the south of France during the initial shooting period. Sadly, the actress is unnamed in either film. Very unusual for Franco film, we can spot the camera crew reflected in the French windows of Doriana's entrance hall. Franco is behind the camera, which was, looks like Ramon Ardid, plus one other person. Live sound was clearly used here, because when Monica Swim enters the room, we hear a male voice quietly say, Come on now. Um, Music. Musically, the dominant texture is a piece of twanging koto and African thumb piano. It's used repeatedly hereafter, and the Franco film made for Dietrich, most notably in Satanic Sisters. Here it lends a kabuki-like drama to the slowly moving bodies and bestows both exoticism and a sense of obscure psychic derangement. It's a shame that some of the later scenes fall back on more typical porno music, but with all the Dietrich productions, Franco did not have a free hand in choosing what pieces to use. Locations There were two location shoots for the film, separated by several months or possibly more than a year. One was at the Villa Curios in Belleau-sur-Mer, France which provided the interiors for Doriana's home, and the other was at the Palacio de Monteseret in the Portuguese town of Sintra, which provided the house exteriors. Franco evidently received permission to shoot inside Villa Kirlios for a couple of days when the place was closed to the public. Incidentally, Franco seems to have been inspired by the Greek trappings when, naming the characters Zeros, played by Ramon Ardid, Further exterior filming took place later at Montessori Palace in the beautiful Portuguese town of Sintra. The palace and its grounds offer a sense of incredible luxury and dreamlike isolation, a place for phantoms or obsessions to rise unhindered. Shrouded in rain and mist, it offers the lushness of a tropical forest side by side with all the architectural lavishness 19th century wealth could buy. The hotel room in which Dietrich... I'm sorry... The hotel room in which Dorianna seduces the porn star is a room at one of Erwin Dietrich's studios in Zurich. The same room and many of the same fixtures and fittings can be seen in Die Sklaven and Barbed Wire Dolls. Uh, let's see, connections. Regarding the softcore version's title and the lead character's name, to what end do we regard this as truly a version of Wilde's The Port Picture of Dorian Gray? The connections are extremely tenuous. There is no real psychic there is no real physical difference between Doriana and her twin, the portrait and the attic effect being restricted to the gulf between Doriana's icy calm and her sister's ranting and raving. Much stronger similarities can be seen with Franco's earlier films, Female Vampire and Shining Sex. The element of a visiting journalist quizzing a woman with supernatural powers about her life carries a strong echo of the former, in which the Countess Irina is approached by a female writer intent on discovering links to the bloodthirsty Carlstein dynasty. The notion of a woman who kills by sexually arousing her victims to the point of death echoes shining sex, albeit this time removing the sci-fi explanation and leaving the means by which this is achieved completely mysterious. The finale in which Doriana ends her life in a huge stone bath echoes the finale of Female Vampire. All right, yeah, so we watched the... um Just Franco, Golden Gway Collection, the Ascot Elite Blu-ray. It has both the uh, hardcore version and the softcore version. Um, And it's really a a good Blu-ray. It's got a lot on there. Um, But also, too, uh, if you're looking for a DVD of it, which is a cheaper one, which is really good, too, uh, the Full Moon one. um, It's billed as uh, Marquis Dissod a.k.a. The Portrait of Doriana Gray. Uh, this actually has the X-rated, the hardcore version of it, not the softcore version, um, which is actually better. So, um, yeah, and that's on this one, but it's DVD, and it's got the uh, same audio interview with Franco, which is really good. It's on a few of their DVDs, and the same uh, vintage VHS Franco trailer reel. But the Blu-ray Ascot Elite has... Uh, the uh, original trailer, it's got an interview, it's got photo gallery, the trailer show, and then it's got the softcore version as well. So you get two films on that one. So that's really cool. Um, also, too, uh, you can also reach us and get a hold of us, leave us any questions or uh, comments or any fan mail or anything you want to leave us at uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com. That's our uh, show email. Got a few uh, people writing about the show. I appreciate the shout-outs. Had a person write us and talk to us about downloading all the shows. And he's a mail mail carrier and uh, listens to the shows in the morning while he's delivering the mail. Which is cool because we all order movies and DVDs and such. So it's good to have uh, one of the cool fans and uh, friends of the show listen as they deliver packages out there. Hope you're doing good on this. Or hope you did good, actually, through the holiday season when this is Aaron. Um, yeah, I had another friend and new fan uh, write and tell us to enjoy the show and uh, had a suggestion to uh, ask us to do the film Faceless. So, uh, that's actually on the, was on the list um, with a guest reviewer. So, I'm going to be doing that again. Uh, Faceless will be an upcoming episode with Amber Kloss. I'm going to talk to her again and have her and I review that. Um, what else do we want to say? Oh, yeah. So for this, um, our numbers are good. We did uh, really good in Dece- in November, our first month. And it looks like uh, December, we did more than November. But uh, also, too, I notice if you download the episode, our numbers go up compared to just listening. A lot of people are downloading it. But if you don't download it, if you could, just please download it and listen to it on your computer. And then, you know, you can get rid of it when you're done or keep it, whatever you feel like doing. But that increases our numbers. And with our numbers increase, it, it helps us get advertising on other shows and helps the numbers, helps us get a better audience and uh, gets more ears and eyes focused on the podcast. So, so it's always a good thing. you know need more people. but yeah, really happy with everybody that's listening. Please keep listening. please tell your friends. please have uh, please also uh, on your listening platforms. If you're listening to this on Apple podcast, we get a lot on there, a lot on iTunes, a lot on Spotify. If you could rate us, uh, leave any positive comments is always appreciated. That helps us as well. Uh, rating and, uh, leaving reviews are always very, very appreciated. So also too, um, with this being the 13th episode, episode 14 was going to be girls in the night traffic, uh, the 74th film, um, of Jess Franco, but of course you go, okay, well, this is 72 and the next one is 74. So what about 73? Well, 73 film number 73 was a film that was almost completed, but never released called Mandinga, which was kind of like a knockoff of uh, Mandingo, like a, like a slave movie of the seventies, which was popular at the time roots and on you know, Mandingo and drum and all those. So, um, reading about that and kind of learning about what happened on all that. I decided to go ahead and make uh, Mandinga the 14th episode and move girls in the night traffic to being episode 15 because Mandinga, there's a lot of information on it. And I thought it would be a good standalone episode compared to, uh, one that's added on to girls in the night traffic. I think it deserves its own episode because, uh, You learn all about what happened to Mandinga, the film with Franco leaving town with Romay, stranding his crew in the hotel for two weeks, and then also him filming uh, The Killer with Black Stockings, which was another back pocket film that was never released. So those two together I'm going to do as a bonus type episode. That's just going to be the information and the behind the scenes of those two films. And of course, no review because they were never released and I couldn't watch it, so I can't review it. But uh, yeah, that'll be episode 14, will be the Mandinga Killer War Blacks, Black Sox uh, fiasco. And then we'll jump ahead to episode 15, which will be proper, uh, Girls in the Night Traffic, which was filmed 74, and we do a review on that. So, And then you learn a why the conditions on the next three films girls in the night traffic uh white skin black thighs and mondo erotica slash around the world and Eighty beds were so controlled by dietrich on sets no exteriors all that stuff uh because of what he did on mandinga so that's the wrapping up this episode episode 13 Die Marquise von Saad, uh, which was at film seventy-two. Uh, after this, you're going to hear the trailer for the film, and then you'll hear, of course, the bumper music on both sides, and then the review of the film. Um, let's see, anything else I want to add? Um, thank you all for you know joining us. Thank you all again, once again, for listening please tell everybody our mission statement again is praise and in memory of Jess Franco. And we want to bring the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. I know for sure that I'm, I'm doing that my part because I've had a few people who before never hearing of Franco that were friends of mine and family and such, listen to the film or listen to the podcast and now, you know, dig him and, and have bought copies of his films and have seeked them out. So, That's cool. That's the point of the film. I keep saying film, but that's the point of the podcast is to get people into his films. And we're doing our part, so that's really good. All right, well, uh, I'll see you around. Thanks again. Eine deiner einsamen millionärin auf der jagd nach liebe nach der vollkommenen lust. eine liebe löst die andere ab. dorian deine
1: hör auf ich sterbe vor lust
0: die erotische fantasie dieser frau kennt keine grenzen dorian Doriana? Oh, Doriana.
1: Helfen Sie ihr, Dr. Olaf.
0: Seien Sie ganz ruhig, Lady Gray. Kommen Sie, Schwester. Wer ist diese arme Unglückliche? Wer ist Ihr strahlendes Ebenbild, die rätselhafte Frau mit der unheimlichen erotischen Spannkraft, dargestellt von Lina Romay? Wer ist Doriana Grey? Ist sie eine kühle, unnahbare Liebesgöttin mit dem Geheimnis der unvergänglichen Schönheit und Jugend? Oder ist sie ein gieriger Vampir, der tötet, um die rauschhafte Erfüllung des Liebestaumels zu erreichen?
1: Zeros! Man kennt es. Du weißt gar nicht, was eine Frau ist. Ich werde dich glücklich machen. Komm, wie die todbringende Welle. Die Masche kenne ich. Aber wenn du das alberne Getue nicht aufgibst, bist du selber schuld daran, dass es bei dir nicht klingelt. Ich sag dir, bei mir kommst du wie die Feuerwehr. Wieder ein vergeblicher
0: Versuch. Glauben Sie, dass ich Ihnen mehr geben könnte? Vielleicht, ich weiß es nicht. i Langeweile. Verzweiflung. Hey, Buddies, welcome once again, Franco fans, to the franco Observer podcast. I am your host. Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions uh, let's see you already know all my films all that good stuff uh, once again for this episode my co-host is uh, my friend and fellow uh, Franco fan Eric Whitwell hello so for this episode 13 we watched Die Marquise von Saad um, this was the 72nd film that Jess Franco directed um he directed this right after slaves uh this was the one two this is the fourth film that he did for uh dietrich um f- started by Barbed wire dolls and then downtown and slaves and then this um this was uh in made in nineteen seventy five um shot in uh, August 18th to 25th of 75 and played uh, Germany circa 1976 um, this film there's a soft core version and a hardcore version um, I believe the softcore versions like 69 minutes 35 seconds and the hardcore version 76 minutes uh, we watched the hardcore version the um, Ascon Elite um version um let's see this had actually i'll I'll go ahead and give you some of the alternate titles because this has had quite a bit of stuff behind it the uh, original theatrical title in the country of origin is das bildnis der doriana gray that's the west german softcore version uh the alternate titles la porna storia della marchesia de sad the italian theatrical title Uh, the porno story of the Marquis de Sade. Uh, Marquis de Sade was the West German video DVD cover. Uh, Swiss press book is Die Marquise de Sade. And let's see. uh, Doriana Gray, the German and Swiss DVD cover. Uh, The shooting title of this is Dirty Dracula, which is kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah, I don't know what the... Dirty Dracula. Dirty Dracula, because I mean, she, does, she does suck the life out of the people. And this is very similar to Sexy Sisters, which he did after this, uh, Satanic Sisters. Um, let's see. Also, The Portrait of Doriana Gray was the press release title in Dietrich's English language correspondence. Um, give you a quick synopsis of this, and then we'll talk about the film and what we thought of it. Um, synopsis. Lady Doriana Gray lives alone except for her mute man-servant Ziros in a magnificent portuguese chateau the extensive grounds of which are filled with lush verdant plant life each morning she walks alone through the eden while her thoughts turn to her twin sister who is incarcerated in a sanatorium in the town run we are told by the mysterious dr orloff a foreign female journalist enters the abode Seeking an interview from a woman's magazine. The visitor asks about Doriana's twin sister, and Doriana opens up, telling of her life. She explains that when she and her twin were separated at birth, irreversible damage was done to her nerves, meaning she can never experience physical passion. Her twin sister, meanwhile, is in the same nymphomaniac. Um let's see. So um this is really an interesting film. Um, what did you think about the film, Eric?
1: I, I really liked it. Actually, um, the locations were so extremely beautiful, like the 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 castles, the 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 inside shots of I mean, amazing, beautiful buildings, beautiful, beautiful buildings. So yeah, no, and I like the the pacing of it. Um, it was really good.
0: Yeah, this is the fifth film with Martine Steedle, So i got to bring her up right away because that's <laughs> the elephant in my room. Um, this is the fifth and final film he shot with her, which is really sad. That uh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that really sucks. Because she did uh, barbed wire dolls, women behind bars, downtown. Slaves. Yeah. D. Slaven* and Dorian Gray. So uh yeah, and then that's that's the end of her run. And uh the same with Ronald Weiss, although we we won't miss him as much. <laughs> but but yeah, so so those two are all those films together. Um one thing watching this film, it's it's really cool, there's a lot of like uh his repertory cast in this. Um uh we saw Peggy Markoff. So of course yeah, Lita Romay, uh, Monica Swim. Uh she's in quite a few films. She's awesome in this as the American journalist, she has no credit. Uh, Peggy Markoff is an assistant. Um, she, uh, is the redheaded gal and she was in downtown and we saw her in, uh, uh, I think she's, is she in barbed wire dolls? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. She's in barbed wire Isn't dolls. Isn't
1: she like the nymph in barbed wire dolls that just can't Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right,
0: you're right. God, I'm starting to see these movies that to together, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, she's in downtown, she's in Slaves, and then, uh, and she's in this, um, she wears like a cool belly chain in, in this, um, uh, let's see, so you have her, um, Ramon um of course, is in this again. Uh, Leon Romain's husband at the time. Uh, he's in quite a few of the films, um, all the ones we mentioned, the Dietrich films, um, and then Shining, anyway, a bunch. Um, Ronald Weiss plays Dr. Orloff in this, which is cool. Dr. Orloff, of course, is a reoccurring Jess Franco character. Uh, Dr. Orloff, Dr. Orloff's monster, so on and so forth. So it's cool that we have a little appearance by dr orloff but it's just von reiss wearing his black troll neck white lab jacket and his sunglasses he loves his <laughs> fucking black sunglasses and his really well manicured beard that's one thing eric had mentioned in one of the previous films we were watching he's like man his beard is just really on point it's like really manicured well
1: yeah there's not a hair out of place man it's 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 put, it's put perfectly together
0: yeah it's it's uh pretty daring um so for this you know um some of my notes on this. Uh, it starts off when you see her. She's wearing like this pink chiffon dress and you hear the jungle sounds uh, when she's walking through and you hear the couple of the Franco jungle um, soundtrack cues. Um, and then it cuts... Uh, she has the same purple dress, the chiffon dress, the wrap from um, Slaves and from, I think, downtown. Um, she wears that in this. One. Uh, and then, uh, of course, there's the... Uh, uh, sailboat and body of water we see one <laughs> sailboat first and then we see a little bit later the body of water again with like a fucking sailboat bonanza I, I said because there was like no lie like 15 to 20 sailboats all, like, yeah. coming at it. And then later on toward the end of the film, there's, like, this fucking sailboat that's, like, in the water, and it's, like, this raging storm going on. And Eric's like, why is that guy out in the sailboat, like, at this during the storm? Like, what's going it on? It looked I like think. it was
1: about to blow over at times. Yeah, like, the, like the was wind. rocking so yeah. hard. Yeah, it's like, oh, let's go out for a nice sail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to test my survival. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious if... Uh, it any Franco fans that know the history of his fascination with sailboats? Why is there always a sailboat in like either the beginning of the film or in a big part of the film? Like, like that's one of the things he always cuts to. And I wonder if he's shooting the sailboat footage as he does the films, or if they're just footage he shoots on the side and just has to use, or if, or if they're the location or, or what, or if they're just sailboat shots from Uh, a product placement, Yeah, or maybe he's just like, one day he's like, I'm going to go out and shoot a bunch of sailboat footage and just have it for the next 20 films that I do. Yeah. And I'll have just all the sailboat footage, you know. I don't know. I'm curious why his thing is for sailboats. But, um, yeah, so also, too, we have, uh, so my checklist of water sailboats, uh, dancing. There's not really a dance scene in this, is there? No, there's no dancing. There's no club or dancing. Yeah, there's no club, no dancing in this. Yeah. Uh, there's palm trees. There's jungle sound effects. Uh, no, no sheepskin rug in this. I spotted. No, 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 no she, she, sheepskin she, she, rug. Right. Uh, she did
1: have the black smock from the prison. Yeah, movie she as had. Well.
0: She had the black smock um, from uh, Barbara Ware dolls, um, and went behind bars. They had dark blue one in that. Um, so yeah, they mentioned before the sister. So basically, it's she's this woman. Uh, um, Lena plays a woman who is basically has a twin sister, and they had uh, they were separated. So I don't know if they were Siamese twins, That's maybe. It, yeah, or, I, was, I
1: was getting like they were like joined somehow. Yeah, they're joined, yeah.
0: and when they were separated, she said that she lost all of her sexual sensation, and her sister lost her mind. So basically, every time Lena would have sex with the person, she would have sex with them until they died and then she would ooze their life fluid out of her mouth while her sister would experience all the sensations from the sex, which, uh, I guess was similar to sexy sisters later and, uh, satanic sisters where they had Monica, Monica swim, um, was, with one sister and the other gal was the nymphomaniac in the bed and she experienced all the things or she wanted to, you know.
1: Yeah, n- nymphos seems to be a running a running theme in yeah, his movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Slaves was Two's
0: uh, Swedish sex nymphos, too. They, had, they had Yeah. Other things. So, yeah, like, nymphos, is, especially in the 70s, too. That was like she, kind of a popular word. You know? She gives a killer oral. Yeah. <laughs> so, like we was saying, so we were watching and we're like, okay, so this version, we don't know if it's, this is the soft core or, or like okay well one's longer than the other we looked at the running time it's okay so longer running time thought was the other one but turned out to be x-rated version and we were watching like wow this really is the x-rated version um first we see peggy Marcotte and uh lena and they are uh um giving each other head and uh you you really see lena and peggy like the whole yeah. biological film of you. This is this is the film where Franco really like. If you ever see what a, a close up of a vagina looks like, this is the film to watch.
1: It's yeah. He would just focus
0: on the the lips. Yeah, close, and he would get so close up. Yeah, this has one of the most zoomed. I, I've never seen a camera zoom as far in like inside. I, I've it's yeah it's zoom. It's like a, like a fucking space lens or something. He, he zoomed so close. I, and like you could see the particles of the hair, like, and in the shots, it was just really fucking crazy.
1: And he would just hold it there. Yeah. And just hold it there. Just, just staring right at the vagina lips. Yeah. And there was, yeah, no, no reason.
0: Just, you know. So, so Lena would basically fuck her and then she would die. The gal she was with, she was dying. Um, so, uh, and then I guess she, I guess it kept her, because it's like the portrait of Dorian Gray, so it's the portrait of Dorian Gray, and Dorian Gray kept a painting of himself in a closet, and the painting would age, and he would be young. And then finally, the painting gets out or gets ripped or whatever, then he ages and dies. And that's like with this. Uh, not to be a spoiler, but yeah. In the end, Lena meets up with her sister, and she fucks her sister, but it's, and see, and it shows you how much of a Martine fan I am. I was like, because there's a close-up shot. And we're like, okay, it's supposed to be the two twins together of Lena. And she had her hand on her vagina. I said, that's Martine's hand. I could just tell by the tan and, and her fingernail polish. And then when the head comes down, you can see it was the very side of, of Martine's face wearing a black wig. It's supposed to be Lena's head, which was pretty funny. And we're like, yep, that's Martine. <laughs> so, um uh, so, yeah, so she lost her sexual sensation, and her sister lost her mind. um This film, too, is really good. It's a really good example of what I call Lena's magic tongue. Lena's tongue is almost a character unto itself. <laughs> Her tongue is very, uh, she has a very seductive tongue. I've never seen that really on a person where they can move their way. It's very cute. It's very seductive. It's she, she almost has different acting techniques with her tongue.
1: It's very expressive. It's a very
0: expressive tongue. Yeah. It's it's a shy tongue. It's a forceful tongue. It's a sexy tongue. It's a, (laughs) it's a flirt playful tongue. (laughs) And yeah, she, she really works the tongue. in this, especially with the girls when she's like, she just starts getting the crazy eyes and, and, uh. Anyway, yeah, so so basically, yeah, we knew we were watching this one as a porno version because uh, there's her and Peggy Markov. There's the scene with um, um, Martine and Victor Ardid. And then there's the scene with uh, Lena and Martine and Victor. And then there's a scene with uh, Lena and uh, Monica. Let's see. Yeah, Lena and uh, Monica swim, and then there's the scene, of course, with Lena and herself. And then, uh, yeah, so that was all the, the sex scenes in there. Um, well, Did you mention Lena and her,
1: her husband also?
0: Yeah, and then Lena and our and, uh, dad, yeah, Ramon our no, yeah. So that was the full sex scene. She basically blows him. Yeah. And her eyes, is like she was... Uh, Tell us what you thought about watching that scene because Eric really likes Lena, and this was the first time he'd ever seen her in any hardcore footage. I oh, think. yeah, no, it's
1: yeah. uh, I was damn, yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> um, she's uh, she's incredible. Uh, she's also crazy, like yeah. you could see, like, she her eyes, like it's almost like she gets possessed because yeah. she gives him a
0: blowjob, she gives world sex, but to me, I was like, she devours his penis oh, like, it's God, a funny, yeah. like it's a submarine sandwich like we should like take a big bite out of it you're almost like i was literally getting scared watching it because her eyes and she's going crazy and she basically blows him and he comes and dies so it's like a vampire you know which is like the female vampire as well uh that he did the bare-breasted countess so that's kind of cool that that connection as well with this
1: yeah, what a way to go, man! But yeah, I go. guess. Yeah, I mean, she always has that. Like she has like that really big smile. So I, I guess I wouldn't have expected her to do anything less. Yeah, but yeah, no, she definitely. Um, she it, she, uh, she like the
0: joke coming and going at the same
1: time. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, she devours it, yeah. and she uh, she doesn't stop. Like well, just because you stop doesn't mean she's going to stop. And you know, it's just, she's a she's a keeper, man. She's a keeper.
0: Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> she's really good at this. She's very sexual. Uh, there's uh there's really good music in this too. Um, oh dude, I didn't even talk about some of the fucking shots in this. I, actually, yeah. of all the Franco films so far that I've watched of of like these thirteen, th- this has probably the best amount of cool shots. And yeah. there's this uh, in Slaves. There's this cool rainbow shot that he found, and in this there's another shot where he captures this rainbow. And he maybe uses it a little too much, but he has this really cool shot of where there's a door frame and a rainbow coming from the top right to the lower left. And there's like a green plant right next to the rainbow that grows up like a plant leaf. And then she walks into the frame and then she turns sideways and you see her silhouette of her boobs and her hips and the rainbow and the plant in the door frame. And it's just really well, it was done. really beautiful. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. Really good shot. And it was like right after the sex scene too, where it's like after they came, then there was the rainbow in the sky and then she, and, and that was like a filmmaking. i that was a happy accident. and That's a really cool feat that he pulled off because uh, it was right after the storm, and they filmed the storm scenes later and use those with Monica swim and her, and then they used the after effect with the with the rainbow and that and that was that was really really good.
1: Yeah, there's a scene in the very beginning where she starts off where she's like walking outside, and you hear the, her dialogue going on or not dialogue, the narration. Right, right. And then, um, and then it cuts to her standing in her doorway. And it's with the sun directly behind her. And there's all these, like, little yeah. lens flares. Lens flares to the left
0: of her, yeah. It's yeah, right. and, it's, it's, and it just... Yeah, it just, like, two good shots back-to-back right there where she walks out. And then when she walks into the frame, it's like, we're like, wow, well, that was a good shot. And then another good shot. We're like, wow, that was a really good yeah, shot. It like, good yeah, it was beautiful. Back-to-back was Really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what's funny is... Uh, yeah, so we're talking about with the thing. So then we hear, like, thunder sound effect. And we thought it was maybe, like... Uh, the fake sound effect but then a rain later so we're like okay and there's like the thunder sound but but no rain but then that um, lots of mirror shots again in this the last few films he really did the mirror shots on this he did a cool shot of a mirror inside of a mirror effect where Ramon's sitting there and Lena comes in and gives him a blow jaw the first time uh, and uh, you see it from the reflection into the shots and then there's a bunch of cool ones where he walks up to the mirror and you see the, the sides of the mirror bleed through and then those were really really nice um Another thing too is I noticed that Lena is a scene where they have sex and she keeps her shoes on in the bed and quite a few of the Franco films, a lot of the chicks always wear their high heels in bed and a lot of the strap on shoes of the seventies, like these yeah. really cool, like, you know, like, and they're real dirty and shit, you know, so take, take your fucking shoes off. Um, oh yeah. And then I failed to mention too, Peggy Markoff wears a really cool gold belly chain and uh, she wore that before. And also too, there's a gold belly chain that the gal wears and *Vampires uh, yeah, lesbos too, which is, which is nice. Um, I always dig those gold belly chains in the seventies. You don't really see those too much anymore because I don't know. Um, also, to uh, Martine, when she her appearance, she wears the same dress as she does at Slaves, the the big flowery dress with the uh, hat too. This the basically the same outfit. Yeah. And it's funny too because one of the girls refers to her as the blonde that everybody likes to fuck, or the uh, was it uh, the blonde who. Who's
1: willing to fuck everyone in the room or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something the, like the blonde that. who will fuck everyone in the room, something yeah, like that, yeah. They're the hot blonde character, yeah, the, the hot blonde who
0: fucks everybody or so. There um,
1: was some, there were some funny lines in this movie too. Like yeah. the dub, there was some really funny, like in the the beginning, a little wordy though. Some of the descriptions, you're oh, like, real wordy, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I think my favorite one that was said it was uh, in the beginning when when Lena playing her insatiable sister. Right, where she's just basically lays in a bed and masturbates all the time. Right. Um, it was The nurse comes walking in, and oh, she's yeah. sitting there. She goes, oh, come join me, something like that. She said, uh, um, breasts you can crack an egg on. <laughs> she oh, said, yeah, breasts you can crack her. an egg on. Yeah,
0: she's just going <laughs> to his
1: breasts. And then the nurse proceeds to just sit there and watch her as she masturbates. Yeah. And then when she's
0: done, she just smiles,
1: <laughs> just sits there and watches
0: mm-hmm. her. And then later on, the nurse fucks her. They they scissor each other. And then does the yeah. nurse die after that? Or, I don't know. What I don't happens. know if no, I think she just kind of comes and then yeah. disappears, I think. I think you know, she just goes, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because uh, then she has sex for the first time and, yeah. and is able to come with somebody else. Yeah, I um, think she
1: just went back to work. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she... Uh, Go check on the other And room. I thought she looked familiar. Eric's like, oh, yeah, she was in Barbed Wire Dolls and I think Bear right Behind Bars. Uh, she's in those... Uh, definitely... Um, um, Women Behind Bars, she, she's uh, in that one and, and uh, plays one of the um, prisoners that comes in with uh, Lena. Um, let's see. Also, too, there's a scene where Martine's having sex with Ramon Ardid and uh, it's like full full penetration shots. And watching it, I was kind of wondering if, like, he had used the scenes of them together and then if maybe there was two insert shots that were put in. We were trying to watch it as a scientific study. We're like, well, this guy's balls look shaped the other one has hairy balls, so
1: I don't know if it's him. I know, we're like, we're like trying to say, like, well, I don't know, like, is, is it a,
0: a, her ass the same?
1: I don't, I don't think know. she has
0: black hair on her asshole. Like, yeah. I don't know if
1: that's that's hers.
0: So, that, and you know, we're, we're trying to do the study for the podcast. Yeah, we're so. doing this for you. Yeah, doing it just for you, the <laughs> listeners, to see if, but yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of, film's done that where they would put insert shots in and uh like i was telling you when we were watching it like um they call her one-eye thriller that's a famous one where there's insert shots in the red dvd case and well he has the yellow one i have the yellow the, one the x-ray footage um yeah and the, there's there's a lot of movies like that from the 70s where there's x-ray footage and it's not the actors it's just a, a nameless close-ups of vagina and uh and penis going in and out and you don't see anything out outside the shot and Eric was laughing because I was trying to look to see if I could see through the side of the leg to see if I could see the person's face even though it's a TV and if you lean you can't look any closer it's, it's,
1: it's like looks, you're trying to look underneath something yeah, like you're like trying to like look person, through like a doorway like, or something yeah, if
0: I can look around the corner do that <laughs> somebody's coming into a room and the thing I'll try to like look around the corner to see if I see them coming in before it happens like it's a real life shot um god
1: damn it. that's just like a that's just like one of those like movies that if you if you nail your audition you're just so happy. Like I just I it's just where you just fall in love with acting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I know, that's why he's like, God damn man, like, you know and he's like everybody on this film is probably fucking afterwards, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean well they're fucking on camera, so I'm sure like I'm sure afterwards I'm they probably all yeah,
0: you know Yeah went out to eat. Yeah, yeah, real fucking <laughs> went to bed early and had some milk and went to sleep. Uh, there's this, this has some cool music. Uh, I'm sure yeah. it's Baumgartner again. I'll I'll give you all that on the uh, introduction of all the technical credits and music and all that good stuff. But yeah, there's a, a lot of sitar on this, um, similar to uh, White Skin, Black Thighs. Um, had that quite a bit, kind of the sitar in the beginning, and it had sitar in this. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Doctor Orloff. Uh, Ronald Weiss plays him, um, and, and it was weird too. Whenever she was, uh, this is a debate. It's almost like the you know the blue was a blue dress or the gold dress that that thing on the oh other yeah yeah was which like, dress what's, what, what what color do you see? So every time she would kill somebody, I heard a cat sound effect, and Eric thought it was a bird sound. effect. I, I
1: thought it could be like a bird in the jungle that like, oh, oh like I don't yeah, know.
0: And I thought it was like. Uh, to me, yeah. that was a cat sound, so I was like a cat. He's like, no, that's a bird. It sounds like a bird. I'm like, oh, it sounds like a cat to me. So yeah. So if you watch that and you see that, tell us what you think. You think it's a cat sound or a bird sound? Give me an extra because <laughs> a... <laughs> <laughs> when
1: you're watching this movie, that's what you're going to be thinking about. Yeah.
0: But yeah, and also too, like I was saying, uh, if you really want to see what a vagina looks like, about one hour five minutes into the into the version, there it's the most close up shot that you'll ever see. It's almost like a shot out of 2001, a space odyssey that the, the, the way he achieved with that camera, you know, but, uh, but no, there, there is really a lot of good shots in this. And I, all jokes aside, uh, there's shit. I don't know. Probably these 15 really good shots are like, wow, that's a really pretty. Oh shot. yeah. There's, there's camera angles. Yeah, he does. And like, yeah, he does a lot of low angles stuff that Eric caught, um, does a lot of his tricks. He does a lot of low angles. Does a lot of mirror shots. It seemed like he was really kind of inspired, um, with this film. Um, Kind of reading a little bit about it. Basically, uh, it seemed like it was kind of something that was uh, a real inspiration. And it kind of came to him and uh, it took a couple of the same themes and kind of ran with it and then fleshed it out later. But uh, watching it, you could see the beauty and, and what he was into is the lustful nature of women and, and how that lust can take you in and control you. And, and that's basically, it was almost like his lust for Lena. Because Lena would basically devour and, and destroy his life yeah. if he got with her because of his marriage and everything with who he was and everything. It was almost like, well, if I get with her, yeah, we'll, she'll take out the life of everything. And it's like seeing her do that, you know.
1: She is amazing. Like First of all, like she's just dropped out gorgeous, just beautiful. But she's, she's very versatile.
0: Like, there's moments... Yeah, you mentioned her range in this.
1: Yeah, there's that that moments where you things. look at her and she just looks like this doe-eyed girl. Like, this just kind of sweet innocent girl and then there's other times she's just like this like this powerful like sex machine you know where she's just uh very controlling of the situation very sensual you know and then then there's other times where she's like ravenous like she's like just going insane like she's she's incredible she's really really incredible i'm
0: glad this isn't her last film yeah i know she uh no definitely start watching her she goes all the way all the way literally (laughs) no (laughs) but yeah uh but no too. looking at just here looking at the flowers of perversion i mentioned every episode uh the delirious cinema of jesus franco and of course people know that jesus franco actually we all learn new things here's something that most of the franco fans know but some may not know Jesus Franco is not his real name his real name is Jesus Franco Manera and I just learned that recently so yeah Manera Um, but yeah this book there's like this one page and they just show like fucking uh, eight pictures of all the cool shots of the door frame and the rainbow and all lit up with uh, floating in the water Um, the end to the end shot of her floating in the water basically after she kills off her sister by having sex with her and then um, I know, <laughs> <her> twin sister. <laughs> her con- I know. And, and only in a Frankel film you could just say that, like I say that yeah. without even blinking an eye. Oh, yeah. After she kills her sister by having sex with her, uh, she goes off into her water, runs her water, and floats in the water naked and basically is dead. And then just kind of ends without no credits or anything. Just, yeah. She floats and it just ends. And there's a scene in the last episode where me and Amber discuss uh, Vampiros Lesbos and there's a scene where solda Miranda is floating in the pool, nude, and she has the blood coming out of her mouth, and the woman comes out, Linda, and sees her and thinks she's dead, but that's actually her sleeping, and the pool is her coffin. So in this, it's almost the same thing. The pool is her coffin, but in this, she's not a vampire. Well, actually, she is a vampire, so yeah. that's her coffin. So, you know, and in the end, she's probably dead, but it is her coffin, but her coffin to die in, not her coffin to sleep in. So that was another connection to Vampiros Lesbos that... I haven't read, but just talking it through right now, I just made that connection. So
1: she did masturbate right before she died. So when she was in the pool,
0: because there's a really cool, oh, that's right, yeah, you right, There's a right. really cool shot uh, where he did a very close up of her. Yeah, you mentioned that how you how you liked some of the zooming in, but then he would cut away to, or zoom back out too fast or whatever. it Yes,
1: yeah. it was just like the whole motion of the water and her, the blurriness and the yeah,
0: colors and, and her legs kicking it. Yeah, because yeah. that's right. I laughed because she jumps into the water and then about ten seconds in. She starts masturbating real fast. I'm like, oh her boy, she just doesn't waste any time, you know. But uh there's another cool shot too. I, I was mentioning when we were watching it when she was going down on Martine. Martine kept moving her knee and trying to move her knee into the frame of the camera and Lena kept pushing her knee out to like open her legs more toward the camera. And she did it like four or five times. She kept yeah. pushing her knee open to open her legs up more toward the camera. I was like, good girl, you know, <laughs> helping the director out. She knew that they couldn't use that shot. So yeah. just open that leg up, open that leg up. So I thought that Gosh. was pretty funny. But yeah, so I know it's kind of bittersweet. This is the last Martine episode, but uh, she's so beautiful. Yeah, she's so beautiful. Uh, she is very beautiful. And, uh, and and as we're doing the discussion my view is of Eric, but Eric gets to look above me and see naked Martine on the wall, so he has the better shot, actually. Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking at
1: her while listening to your voice. That's true. That's so kind of a, weird, that's little, little kind of a weird position. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> I was better looking at hearing your voice and staring at a fan on the floor. So. That's true. That is true. That is true. Unless you like fans. That's true. Well, actually, we have, uh, we have some new fans that have been reaching out to us. So, speaking of fans, thank you for... Uh, reaching out and finding the Franco observer podcast. And speaking of fans, you can get us at the Franco observer at yahoo.com. I like how I'm just sneaking those plugs in. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Franco observer at yahoo.com. Uh, you can find us there. You can find us on Instagram. We got the Franco observer podcast page, uh, Franco observer podcast page on Facebook. Um, and yeah, tell all your friends, all that good stuff. Uh, hope you're enjoying the episodes. It looks like, uh, Numbers are going up. Everybody's digging them. We have a solid audience. Uh, this is the first episode you'll be listening to this in 2021. So uh, this will be after Christmas time, all that good stuff. Hope you had a good holiday season. Um, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be having, and here in Sacramento, we'll be hosting a Franco Fest on Christmas Eve and Christmas to celebrate Jesus. I'm doing the Christmas <laughs> Eve and Christmas uh, showing two Franco films both days and doing two, the, the plan is to do two Franco films and two Franco podcasts. If that plan transpires, it'd be awesome, but at least I'll get maybe one at one each day would be good Two would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, I gonna have food, uh, friends and festivities and that should be fun. So this would be a different new tradition that I hope to do maybe twice a year, every year, have the Franco fest going where people will just hang out, watch the films and then do podcasts afterwards and good times. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. This was episode 13, uh, dies Marquis I liked it a lot. I thought it was cool. It's, it's a little scattered. I mean, it's more of a collection of cool shots and a theme. It's, it's kind of loose. Um, the narrative's okay. There's a lot of narration to kind of piece it together. It's not the strongest film, but it's visually really pretty. Um, it's a good, you know, hour, 10 minutes, really, really a good time killer. Um, very a very beautiful film. Um, I don't know any any other thoughts you want to add on that before we
1: call it a day. That's uh, one of the most beautiful porns.
0: Yeah, I know this ever is, seen. Yeah, I know. it's very true because like one one thing. Yeah, Eric was mentioning like with the porn I've noticed with Franco. I mean, later on when he did the eighties Spanish porn where it's just straight porn and that's one thing. But like on his early porn stuff, it's really cool how he does it because he is truly a good director where you'll pay attention to the story and, and the porn footage is like maybe two or three minutes or something if it's done right. And it's just there to kind of spice it up and to kind of shock you a little bit, but not take you away from the story. When you go into the full five, 10 minute routine that takes you away from the story becomes like a, a stunt piece onto itself. And then you concentrate on that and it's hard to go back into the action. But if you just use it to spice it up throughout the thing, then that's good with this. The x-ray version does extend a little bit. Um, on the introduction, I talk about the scenes that Dietrich filmed for the softcore version because he complained that when he got the film and took out all the hardcore shots that it was basically just like a trailer with a few other shots put on there. <laughs> so that's why he had to go out and film the scenes of her walking down the staircase with the sunflower and, and the shots of her eating flower petals and other just bizarre random shots to kind of pad it out a little bit to give it some kind of a...
1: Some length. Yeah, a, add
0: something on so he wouldn't be so totally... So they could charge for movie tickets. Exactly. So he's like, okay, i got to add 62 minutes. Okay, add about three minutes. Okay, figure out <laughs> shit. You know. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm going to go back and watch the softcore version later. I like to call, always compare and contrast, and then, of course, read the notes in the book about it. But uh, it's one thing, too, about Jess Franco that's really cool that's different than a lot of directors is a lot of his films, and that's one reason why his count is so high, in a film like this there's literally like you know two versions maybe three but at least two versions and there's a lot of these films have two versions so if you took this 177 films and you know double those up it'd be like 340 but you know they don't count that so but yeah then that's used to confuse a lot of people over time it's because the different titles and the different versions and the different music or different whatever you know different framing of things so but yeah, um, like he was saying, a very very beautiful X-rated film, uh, really great shots, made sense. What the actions they did gave it to the story. A few parts where I was like, "Why are they doing that?" But then it would explain who they were or what they what their relevance was to the story. Um, but yeah, It definitely like it, the, he had said in the book, this is the most gynecological film that Frank had <laughs> shot up to this time. He definitely. Takes you down to the office and uh, spends some time. So, yeah, 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 yeah. He just camps out there, packs lunch, and hangs out. So, so yeah. Well, that'll make you think about packing a lunch and hanging out. So, pack a lunch and hang out with us, the Franco Observer Podcast. We had fun there doing this film. This looks like about our half hour run, so we'll call it a day. Have a good day. Awesome, beautiful nights. Adios.